Welcome to another episode of the Genius Podcast. We've had a couple of weeks off and I do apologize for that. I have been in the throngs of rolling out the Masterclass for Catholic Women, which has been absolutely amazing. So if you are interested, we are about to start a second group going through this. So if you want to know more about it, please send me an email at karen at geniusproject.co. But I thought this week we might do something a little different on the podcast. Yesterday, my husband Jonathan and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, which was a lot of fun. So what I thought I might do is just bring him on as a guest today and we're going to have a little discussion around marriage and the highs and lows, the joys and the struggles and I guess our story and sharing that with you. Yesterday I posted some photos of us on our wedding day 20 years ago and I got some fabulous comments and messages and questions about marriage and so that prompted me to ask Jonathan if he would come on. So welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's a great <laughs> privilege to be here. I feel very uh, honoured to be on the Genius Podcast. Uh, looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, it's awesome to have you, Jonathan. We had a beautiful day yesterday, didn't we? We did. We had a fantastic day. It was full. It was full of uh, some great time together, some great time with the kids, and, uh, and it culminated with a, a blast from the past, a visitor from uh, who was there at the start. I know. Father Dave Tremble was the priest who said our wedding, and... He actually is back in Canberra and coincidentally we organised to have dinner and he offered to do a mass for our anniversary. So we had a home mass last night with the kids and it was so precious, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, very conversational, wasn't it? it was, the kids it really awesome. liked it and uh, just beautiful to have a mass in the home and to reconnect with somebody that was uh, you know, a big part of our story. Absolutely. He was a huge part of our story. We actually, my dad sent us a copy of our wedding video, which we had not, we have not actually seen in 20 years. So we all sat down with Father Dave. <laughs> didn't we and watched it and the one thing the kids said was oh my gosh grandpa and dad had so much hair (laughs) hope you're all enjoying my last visit to this podcast (laughs) oh no well look what I wanted to do Jonathan is just share a little bit about our story because I remember after we were first married we we had a bit of a rough well kind of rough first nine months we hadn't lived together before we were married and we were strong people and we kind of butted heads a little bit so it took us a few months to getting to a groove with each other. And I remember being at a New Year's Eve party one year and there was all these couples there and we'd had a bit of a disagreement. And I remember one girl talking about a disagreement she'd had with her husband and she said she thought she made the biggest mistake of her life getting married, how she cried in the bath for the first year. And and I thought it struck me then that so much, so much of the time that like, we don't want to air our dirty laundry before everybody But there is a certain level of vulnerability and honesty that we need to have because I think there's so many people that are struggling in silence. And when we share our story, it gives other people permission to do the same, but it also gives them hope. Don't you think that we can do the circle of life and and the seasons of life that inevitably come in marriage? Yeah, look, two thoughts. First would be, I would wonder if there's been a more difficult time in history, recent history for marriage in general. So it's a particularly difficult uh, historical season. So firstly, marriage is under a huge amount of pressure. And in terms of sharing your, uh, like, you know, people's challenges, I think it's simply a question of finding the right people. So you've got to find incredibly safe people. But I think you make a good point. I think that having a small group of extremely trusted people that you can tell the truth to. I mean, I've been teaching that across a whole range of areas of life. I was coaching somebody the other day, a CEO of a large organization. I said, you've got to be able to tell the truth to A small number of people. So I think for marriage, yeah, I think you make a great point that many people, 
endure difficult seasons thinking that they're the only couple mm. that's ever been through it. So, yeah, having that cohort, having that little group of uh, of fellow travellers that you can tell the truth to is a really important thing. Absolutely. And people who are ahead of you on the journey, we've been so blessed to have a number of couples in our life over the 20 years who are further along in the marriage journey and who have inspired us, encouraged us and called us on and given us, I guess, that witness to hope and to the beautiful sacrament that marriage is. I know last year I've shared on the podcast, last year was a very difficult year for us, not in terms of marriage necessarily, but just life circumstances, which obviously impacted marriage. So, and then you go that full circle from last year to this year. And this year I feel closer to you, more in love with you than I have over the whole 20 years. So look out. (laughs) But look, I think it's really it really is testament. I heard someone say marriage is like water skiing, that sometimes you're, you know, you're cruising and it's lovely and you're enjoying the scenery and other times you just got to hold on for dear life until the storms pass. And all of us, every marriage goes through storms and struggles. But anyway, we'll get to that. Let's share a little bit about how we fell in love. Well, I just got out of prison and <laughs> my parole officer organized a support group. No, um, <laughs> so not true. Well, where did we meet? Uh, well, we we're church, not really quite sure. Well, that's the first, first time, time I saw you. Are mm-hmm. we going to do the entire story? How long have people got? Like, <laughs> no, we won't do the six, It's like a Netflix binge series. <laughs> like, Karen and Jonathan. Everybody cancel stuff because it's going to take a while. <laughs> uh, well, what's the short version? Um, I had come back from overseas mm-hmm. and uh, I had had a, um, a very difficult uh, life as a younger person uh, and... I had come back to faith through some the support of some great people and I was sitting in a church one Friday afternoon and uh, this beautiful young lady walked in with her boyfriend, who, which I often said was the dumbest thing he ever did, <laughs> uh, bringing her to Mass that day. So I saw Karen that day, didn't know who she was, I just recognised her. I know some of you are listening thinking I should have been focused on Jesus. Well, <laughs> I was trying, all right, don't judge me. And uh, yeah, so I saw Karen. Then a week later, I was driving through the city and... Uh, Happened to see her crossing a street, you know, it's a, it's a relatively big city here and it was just coincidence. And then eventually we kind of met through some of the same people and uh, attended some of the same church events. And then we had a very cool, uh, torturous for me, um, <laughs> journey of uh, rejection and suffering oh, um, until uh, Karen finally <laughs> agreed to go out with me. After I kidnapped a family. And no, uh, no so eventually <laughs> Karen agreed to go out with me. And uh, it, was was three it, it was three years that he chased me. And but, and I didn't go out with him. And the main reason, as Father Dave said to the kids last night, your mum just wanted to make sure that he, Jonathan had just come back to his faith, that he was solid and committed to it. And over those three years, we actually became and we grew a very beautiful friendship. And even though I didn't date you at the time, we did become very, very good friends. And I think that's a bedrock that has seen us through so much, isn't it? Yeah, look, we spent 10 years. Uh, well, look, ten, I was doing it for 10 years. You and I were doing it for probably five, speaking to up to 40,000 teenagers a year. Mm-hmm. And, on um, relationships. On relationships. And, you know, the, one, some of the key takeaways were for girls, it was a revolutionary idea for some of the young women that we spoke to that that choosing not to go out with somebody and uh, could be an, a very smart thing to do. And for many young men, the idea that if a girl was, how do we say this, less available, and uh, that was an invitation for a guy to change and to grow. So mm. 
very look. It's just these days it seems so countercultural. Uh, but it was a great. Yeah, it was. It was. It really forced me to, I guess, consider what I really wanted and what I was prepared to uh, endure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, absolutely no regrets. Twenty years later. So funny story is that he chased me for three years, and then I was about to go overseas with my friend for three months. And the night before I left, Jonathan comes over and he says, look, I've come to terms with the fact you're never going to go out with me. But in the lead up to that night, I thought, when I get back from America, I think I'd really like to go out with him. So I told you how I felt. And then you waited for three more months. We started dating and we dated for about a year. Then we got engaged and then we were engaged for five months and got married. We did. And I think there's a pretty big spirit on that around surrender. Uh, you look at you know, if I jump straight into it, the the path of contemplative prayer is kind of very much a path of learning to surrender. And uh, for me, it was a yeah, I guess a, the something that I wanted so much. Like I was, you know, deeply, deeply committed to wanting to be with you. And it was only at that process of surrender, of kind of, you know, accepting that God was God and I wasn't, and I couldn't force something to happen. Uh, it seemed that. Uh, that at that moment of surrender, then things shifted. So mm. I think there's a pretty strong spiritual principle there that we we need to take reasonable steps in life to go after what's important to us. But then there comes a moment where we have to finally let God be the author of what's really happening. Absolutely. And it's been quite a journey. So short, uh, one year after we got married, Jonathan came home and he said, do you want to go on an adventure? I was thinking camping or a bushwalk, but he ended up wanting to move me from Canberra up to Cairns, far north Queensland, to live and work in a boys' boarding school, which we did for two years. We were there for two years. Then we, then he comes home again and he says, do you want to go on another adventure? And then it's to move to the bottom of Australia, to Melbourne, to study theology, marriage and family studies at the John Paul II Institute there. And that was an incredibly rich time of life. It was down there that we set up Choices Media, which is our was our company that serves Catholic education and Christian schools around Australia and the world with values-based sexuality resources and seminars. So we did that for a number of years. Part of big part of our story was we weren't able to have children for six years, and that was quite that was quite big for us. Um, so where there's been lots of highs, but there's been plenty of lows as well. But I just thought maybe we can just touch on I guess a couple of the high points, and then look at perhaps how we've grown and and the things that I guess pieces of wisdom that we've picked up along the way that we can share with others. Highlights. Was that a cue for me to jump in? <laughs> it was indeed. Was it? <laughs> uh, look, the one I go to most recently, some people have heard me speak about, and Karen knows I talk about this a lot, was uh, about 18 months ago, I managed to demonstrate that I hadn't been paying attention in my high school physics class <laughs> and uh, managed to roll an excavator and had a major, major accident. Some of you would know that. And, uh, you know, could have killed myself, came pretty close and was in hospital for a while and had to have, you know, some really major surgery. And it was it was in that season of going through a huge amount of physical trauma and um, kind of a near-death experience and everything that went with that and the rehabilitation recovery phase that, you know, Karen looked after me extraordinarily well and the kids and the business and everything else in our lives. So... For me, that's been a real highlight of the 20 years, I think, uh, because it it's just there's this weird thing in God's reality where sometimes it's the moments of deepest difficulty and suffering and pain that can be the seasons where marriage really comes into its own. So 
Look, that was a highlight in in terms really? of really highlight was me uh, <laughs> to show him. I had to, he wanted me to cut his hair one day with the electric thing, and I had not done that before. Anyway, yeah, he had a bit of a pattern. In him, like we said, that was a highlight. Well, just before <laughs> surgery, you know, they it, 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 yeah, I had I hadn't they hadn't washed, anyway. washed me in about three days, and Karen basically had to you know get me cleaned up and everything. And <laughs> when you go through those moments as married couple, you're like, this is the real stuff. So, look that was extraordinary um that experience i think the travel we've done i think we've had some amazing mm. adventures traveling with the kids and uh, overseas iceland and middle east and different places we've been to so yeah but i just think there's a relationship between the highs and the lows sometimes it's those really difficult times mm. that become the greatest memories absolutely and look to finish on that again culturally i think we're conditioned to believe that if things are difficult and painful then it's a sign that you got it wrong or that you, you mm. that, that something now look there's obviously problems in marriages that arise where that can be the case but sometimes it's the most difficult times that become the bedrock and you do look back i mean we're 20 years mm. in so you look back and you go heck we got through that we got through that mm. you know we can we can get through anything yeah and there's been plenty plenty of challenges definitely and moments of suffering and trials so um yeah well yeah look, i mean and, and it's the basic theology of marriage it's christ's faithfulness to the church right so uh he is faithful to his bride regardless of whatever happens so marriage kind of mirrors that um you know it's like the vows too right for better or mm -hmm. worse and we'll we'll take the better and we're happy to, I'm first to put my hand up and say i'll be very happy with 100 percent better <laughs> But when the worst comes, then, um, you know, there's grace there. Absolutely. I think one of the lessons that I've learned across the years is this, and, and walking with so many people, I guess, in Catholic women's ministry and also speaking at the men's conferences is noticing this pattern with people that when they do go through difficult seasons, they have this tendency to rewrite history in their minds. So when you hit a difficult season, all of a sudden he is always this or he never does that instead of saying, this is a particularly difficult season. And I, I think that's one thing that we, I've really tried to guard against. It takes a lot of discipline. But when you're going through a difficult season or, or when your spouse isn't quite measuring up to what you want, um, that you would not, you would resist the temptation to rewrite history. And I think Satan really creates a real wedge in marriages in those difficult seasons where he, there is a great temptation that is presented to us to rewrite history and see everything through a rather negative lens. So I think that's one of the lessons that I've learned along the way. Jonathan's just fixing my microphone here. <laughs> Thank you very much. He's always there for me, aren't you, Jonathan? Always helping me out. Try to be. <laughs> oh, so another, I, I want to maybe focus on a couple of the lessons that you've learned from marriage as well. That's mine, about rewriting history. That's a cue for me to talk about a lesson that I've learned from marriage. <laughs> uh, look, I think the biggest thing is if it was simply up to individuals in a marriage to make a great marriage and to navigate the whole thing, then you're very much at the mercy of your own resources. So your own psychological framework, your own history, your childhood, all the stuff that you've had. Now, there are plenty of couples, some who'll be... Uh, you know, who aren't Christian at all, that, that have really effective functional marriages. I always like to mention that. But for the rest of us, we, we carry wounds and problems and all sorts of challenges in our life. So I have learned, and this is my main lesson, that a reliance on grace, a kind of sacramental grace in terms of the Eucharist, Mass, the sacraments, 
and daily prayer, especially lately in this last few years, has mm. been incredibly important. I, I sort of, I spoke in Idaho just before COVID, and I always remember the bishop there gave an address before I did the keynote, and he said, uh, he said, you people, he said, you've got to stop trying to make Jesus unemployed. <laughs> like it always that. stayed with me. And so my, the lesson I've learned is that, you know, you, you'll get a long way on your own if you've if you're a really evolved person who didn't have too many wounds from life. But again, for the rest of us, a deep reliance on grace and prayer. You know, and if any men listen to this, like I think there's this sense that that's something women do more of than men. But I don't think that should be the case. So, mm. yeah, that's a big lesson. Just just yeah. sacraments, grace, prayer, and just you know, God's faithful. Right? He he, he was there on your wedding day. And in a sacramentally valid marriage, the grace was there and he doesn't disappear. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So mm. that grace is always there for us if we try and cooperate with it. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's about having a roadmap to find your way back to that, that point. I know James Dobson always said, you know, if your marriage is struggling, return to those activities which initially drew you together, those things that you found fun and and return to those. And he said, like, even if you're not in a difficult season, but return to those often. So I think one of those things for us has been going on your motorbike. <laughs> yes, going That's... on the motorbike. <laughs> My wife is... Uh, <laughs> she, she was an ICU nurse, so she wasn't a fan of I have, motorbikes. I have two motorbikes. I have a custom Harley and a, and a, um, a Triumph off-road bike, endurance bike. And, uh, you know, my, my wife... Has allowed me to buy two. You've basically never said no to anything that I've that I've respectfully requested. Hmm. Well, it all came about. We were living in Cairns. Actually, I was dead against motorbikes. I'd nursed too many uh, MVA people in ICU in Sydney. It was hor- horrific things that I've seen. And Jonathan used to ride a motorbike before we met, and then he he gave that up. And then a couple of years into our marriage, wanted to buy revisit it. And I read the book by John Eldridge, which talks about. It was wild at heart. It talks talks about the desires of a man's heart. And I think because this is primarily a women's podcast, it's it's good for women to hear this. And I would really encourage any woman who's married or seeking to understand men to read that book, Wild at Heart. But I remember reading that when we were in Cairns and I was in this stage of really being resistant to the idea of a motorbike. And it really convicted me, this idea that a man needs an adventure to live and that there sometimes when men get married, the women can sometimes henpeck them. And fair enough, men can become lazy and, and not take their responsibilities seriously. But I think there is that tendency of women, like they want this wild man and then when they are married, they want him to become safe. But I think if, if women want a marriage where their husband's spirit is alive, they have to foster that sense of adventure in him. So I was really convicted of that. Not only did I say yes to the motorbike, I actually ended up going on the back. It's been a lot of you fun. You did end up going on the back. And uh, look, you make a good point uh, that you never nag me. Like you really don't. Mm. I'd have to say. Thank you. Well, you know that's true. Like you just <laughs> never do because you know I get a bit. <laughs> he doesn't like to be nagged. But yeah, point you know, point to self. No men really like to be nagged. No, but I try and do, you know, heaps around here to support yeah, awesome. the, the system. But to your credit, like for you know, I do a huge amount of cycling for everyone listening, and you know, I did a ride on the weekend that was 172 kilometers and it took about six hours. And, you know, we worked that out in advance so that we had everything covered. But, you know, you've always been incredibly gracious in letting me do whatever it is that I really want to do. But I don't take that for granted. And I don't kind of, you know, I I don't, yeah, I don't just, I don't 
disregard the value and blessing of that. No, absolutely. And I think um, another thing is this idea of creating shared meaning in marriage. And I think that's one of the things that really is one of the things that um, is indicative of a successful and a satisfying marriage is when you create those rituals and those routines of I guess coming together and, and shared meaning, it's not just about raising kids or paying the bills, but our marriages as Catholics have a spiritual dimension and we really need to work towards creating this intimate interior life together. And sometimes this can be hard because our culture, you know, we're living in a hustle culture where there's just endless demand. So once you have a couple of kids and mortgage and business and once you hit your 40s it's a really intense busy time of life but I think it's one thing that we do try and do is create this sense of shared meaning and rituals around family and around marriage so for example celebrating 20 years of marriage we've always gone all out on our wedding anniversary I often say to the men at the men's conference doesn't take much to celebrate a birthday all you have to do is keep breathing but to go from one wedding anniversary to another takes a lot of work a lot of sacrifice a lot of forgiveness a lot of um, dying to self and so it's worth celebrating and I just really want to encourage everybody to find out their friends wedding anniversaries and to really champion each year that goes by and and to create a culture that really supports marriage and and helps that to grow because I know we've been really blessed we have two key couples who are our close friends and I guess our marriage flourishes within that and and getting messages from those friends yesterday was really beautiful just thanking us for our marriage and the blessing that our marriage has been which leads me to another point that our marriage isn't just about us it's not just about a man and woman getting married and living together it's actually so much more and Marriage is a sacrament, which means it's a sign and a symbol. It makes visible the invisible mystery of God. It's the closest thing we have here on earth, John Paul II said, to that analogy of of God's love, isn't it, and his relationship with the church. Yes, indeed. So going back to when we were studying, um, the church has always been tinkering around with its understanding of how God is mirrored in the world. So how God how we experience God and, and the role of marriage. And I can't remember that it was St. John Chrysostom, uh, but one of the great sort of movements in church history was this awareness that marriage and the relationship between spouses is a truly profound way that we experience God in the world and that mm. grace comes into the world and so there's I guess you know we were talking about this yesterday the missionary aspect of marriage yeah. so it's not like a a private contract between two people yeah, absolutely. In, you know in, in the Latin they used to talk about this thing you know mutio audiatorum which is mutual edification of spouses like it's marriage doesn't exist just to make us happy it's got m- other dimensions to it like in terms of how it affects culture yeah. and mm. On on huge number of levels, like you know, I don't want to go too far down that sociological path, but in terms of politics, economics, culture, sociology, strong marriages, marital relationships have enormous impacts on culture. So, I think you realise that you know, we're trying to. I think we realise that it's a we're, we're part of something much bigger. Absolutely, and we've been really blessed. Like, I think. Yes, every marriage has a missionary aspect to it, but ours in a very particular way has had um, mission over it from day one. Like I remember when we were first married, we were only married a few months and we spoke at a summer school of evangelization and we were prayed over and, and this man said, you know, there is incredible power in this marriage in terms of the team. 
And also just this call from that very early, that first year, not even before our first wedding anniversary, but this sense of mission to work with young people, with people um, in terms of empowering them and encouraging them. And we're only newly married, but that sense of mission has taken us to do incredible things here and around the world. It's been incredibly privileged, the number of people that we've been able to really bless and impact and who have impacted us over those years. Yeah, and if you come, you know, Karen's looking at me going, don't you dare talk about Trinitarian anthropology. But <laughs> if, if you look at this, the, the deep... I didn't say that. <laughs> the, the deep Christian idea of marriage, it's kind of like we're, we are mirroring something of what takes place in the Trinity, the uh, the total giving of self, the total reception of the other. And the Trinity gives life. You know, life flows from the Trinity. So in marriage, if we're mirroring something of that, I mean, we get the physical sign of it through having children, you know. But, I mean, we weren't so able to have kids. We weren't ha- able so to have kids people. for six years, for mm-hmm. sure. But we, we, that's an obvious, you know, an observable sign. But often there's so many other ways in which life, energy, goodness flows out of marriage of into the world because it's mirroring, hopefully mirroring something of what's taking place in the Trinity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been, um, I, I was just reflecting on it yesterday. I put a, a photo reel together for Jonathan of, of the 20 years together and just all the different things we've done, I think, when we're in Cairns, we took uh, some boys over to, where did we go? To Mabiri in Bougainville. Yeah, and we took them there for an immersion experience for a few weeks and that was just incredible. We've just had amazing adventures together and I think that's one of the greatest gifts that Jonathan's given me. I think when I first got married, I probably wasn't completely sure of who I was. I was only 26 and, uh, yes, and, and th- different things past relationships had left me with a few wounds but there's this aspect of God's redemptive love that has come through marriage and I I know that Jonathan's love for me has healed many wounds of Christ through him and I know I have done the same for him I've lost my train of thought we'll keep going because I don't (laughs) want to have to edit it um what was I gonna say Mm, redemptive love where was I before that I don't know (laughs) Have to edit this. <laughs> we can't edit this because it's live <laughs> and it's just too hard to edit. Holy moly. But listening to you, I have a thought, which is... It's oh, I just remembered oh, where she's I was back, going. Ladies and gentlemen. I'll just, <laughs> be, I'll just be quiet now and crossing back to Karen. <laughs> okay. So I remember what I was going to say is that I think in marriage, we really, like in terms of supporting one another's dreams and really calling out that individual vocation of each other as well. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that Jonathan's given me is really to empower me and to give me wings to fly, to help me discover my individual mission and then to help that, you know, to activate that and to support that. So, yeah. So here's a thought. Uh, <laughs> it's you. been thinking, I've been thinking as we just had the 20th wedding anniversary that, and, um, this hopefully this will be, this is easy to remember. The goal, one of the goals of marriage, is to enjoy each other and not endure each other. The reason I say that is because you often don't see a lot of couples who really like being together. Uh, you know, years down the track, mm. they kind of they've made they tolerate each other. They tolerate each other, and they're and they're solid. But and I'm no one's judge, but you don't see a, you don't see as many couples as you'd like to that. You know, twenty like I'm thinking of people like Ron and Mavis Parola, mm. right? Who and like, my mum and dad. Your mum and dad, like you know, Ron and Mavis must be what married 40, 50 years. Oh no, heaps more. My parents really? are almost forty. But yeah. they still. No, my parents are but only they 50. still <laughs> like just totally 
and so enjoy each other's company. So mm. my point is that uh, you know that talking to people like the last forty eight hours when we went and had lunch and stuff, yes. and you know saying oh, it's our twentieth wedding anniversary, and you know you get the old jokes. Oh, you don't get twenty years for murder anymore. And I go, no, like I actually actually really <laughs> like it. Like I actually <laughs> really like being married to Karen, and it's a really good season. And and uh, yeah, so I think it's good to not. I think it's good to just show the world that you can be married 20, 30, 40, 50 years and still, you know, really enjoy being with Absolutely. each other. Absolutely. But it takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline. And I think for anyone listening whose marriage may be struggling, I really want to recommend the book by John Gottman, um, Making Marriage Work and the Successful Marriage. And he's just fantastic. He's a relationship guru. He's been studying relationships for 40 years and he thinks that you can predict divorce within the first 10 minutes of speaking with a couple. And he said that it depends on a number of these principles. One of them is, I guess, whether they remember their courtship, remember their history with fondness and admiration, even in the midst of difficulty. And and that was one of the tips I took away from his work was to really cultivate a fondness and admiration system in your marriage. So I guess it's so easy to focus on the negatives, what we're not doing or how our spouse is failing or not letting us down. But there is always, in any given day, there is always something that you can tell them that you appreciate about them. Yeah, look, and on the, you know, for everybody listening who's in a difficult season, a couple of things. First is that uh, Karen and I have been, we've been in sometimes long seasons where You're just putting up with each other and um, it's because... Well, I'm putting up with you. <laughs> it's because Karen's not a saint yet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but so look, be encouraged because you go through these <laughs> long seasons where for any number of factors, uh, look, the first eight, seven years of having kids, our kids never slept. So we went through seven years of pretty much chronic sleep deprivation. And I don't look back at that like thinking rainbows and unicorns. I look back thinking that was really tough. But on the difficulty side, I remember years ago speaking about this research from focus on the family and I, I don't know the exact source but it was along the lines of they they did a big study of about 5000 US couples who had basically uh, applied for divorce and a, and a cohort of that 5000 agreed to you know some pretty high level high quality counseling mm-hmm. and of the couples that went to counseling and stayed together within like I think it was like three or four years of that time they reported being happier than they'd ever been Mm. in their marriage and just a couple things on that we we are a culture you know that is deeply therapeutic so we're a culture that's very much based on the concepts of individual human happiness so if I'm not happy something's really wrong and really terrible but one of the big things about marriage is that it is a mirror and you do get confronted with all of this unless you're listening to this and you're a saint Hmm. like you've got stuff like you've got selfishness and you've got moodiness and you've got all this stuff we all do and so the sacramental nature of marriage means that you get confronted with this and what some people do is they they run a million miles you know especially Hmm. if they've never really had to confront that stuff so if you can go through that season if you can go through those sometimes long seasons of being unhappy and I'm not saying just sitting in it I'm going accepting it and going okay where do I need to change? Where do I need to change? And this praying. is in a generally healthy marriage. In a general, so look, yeah. in, in terms of abuse and stuff, that's Absol- not what I yeah. mean. So if there's any, crying. if there's emotional, physical, psychological abuse, then that's a totally different mm. thing. But and, in a generally and, healthy yeah, marriage. Yeah, like yeah. in a generally, genuinely healthy marriage, there'll just be these long seasons, there can be these mm. long seasons where it's just difficult. And 
you got to change. You know, people say, if you love someone, you don't have to change. I said that should be taken out and shot at dawn <laughs> because, it, you know, it's basically God's invitation to change. Well, marriage is an evolution. And, and I watched, we watched part of our wedding video last night and I was like, gosh, we are so not the people that we were. We, we actually, we went out for a beautiful lunch together yesterday and on our way home, we went past where we got our photos taken and made Jonathan throw autumn leaves up. <laughs> he thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> He's so good to me. Anyway, then we went past the church where we got married and we just sat there for 45 minutes. And it was, ironically, we, it was accidental, but we were there at the exact same time that our wedding was. And so... It was quite moving, actually, to be there. And, and I thought, gosh, as we walked out, I said to Jonathan, man, like, I so didn't know you. You so didn't know yourself when we got married. I so didn't know myself. And marriage is an ever-changing um, situation. Like, we're not going to be the same people. And I think one of the keys to successful marriage is a commitment to grow together. And and some of people say, what's what's the ingredients for a good marriage? People say trust, communication. They're all important. But I would actually say, having worked with so many couples over the last 20 years, I think one of the primary ingredients is an openness to growth and a humility to yourself, to seeing your areas where you need to grow, where you need to change, where you need to become more of, I guess, Christ to your spouse in spite of certain situations. And so I think that is really important to remember that marriage is an evolution and so that we have to evolve together and grow together. Agreed. And again, I know the people will be listening that maybe you know could be struggling with infertility, but as we did for six mm-hmm. years, but part of the blessing of marriage, if you have kids, is is all the stuff that goes with that. You start to change. I'm really grateful for that because, you know, my kids have said to me lately, they've gone, Dad, you're so patient. I know. And, you know, if I'm just going to interrupt you, but if you had have asked me what Jonathan's greatest character flaw is, I'd say impatience. <laughs> well, You've got you, him all fooled. No. <laughs> no, you've grown. I'm, thank you. That's my <laughs> point. Grace of God. Pray, pray for Karen, everybody. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, I, I find myself... But you are. I you find myself are. getting much less... <laughs> flustered and yeah. more patient these days because of just... Do they think the, I'm the impatient one? How's that fair? Well, <laughs> you know, I often say to people that any mother trying to get three... We had three kids under the age of three, right, yeah. when they were born. So any mother getting three kids to school on a Monday morning, I often say makes the Normandy landings of <laughs> 1944 look pretty Thanks. straightforward. So, yeah. But, yeah, my, my point is that, uh, you know, the grace of marriage and parenting is that if you're cooperating with it, with grace, that you slowly get those edges knocked off. And also one of the pieces of advice that you shared with the kids last night over dinner was the advice was given to us by Father Greg Homing, who was your spiritual director when we were dating. And he said that the success and the quality of our marriage would depend on our individual relationships with Christ. And I think that it's definitely been true throughout our marriage that we both really have fought for each other over the years to get that time for prayer, for adoration. I think the commitment to that's been fundamental. Yeah, look, if there's a secret source, it's just this. Uh, he's right. Like He said that to me in the monastery 20-odd years ago, mm. and I think it's true. I think if if each of the spouses are pursuing Christ to the best of their ability in each season, and that'll, that'll be different in each season yep. and fatigue and all sorts of different factors... But if you can keep Christ, it's such a platitude to say, it's very easy to say it, but if you're genuinely as individuals trying to grow in your relationship with Christ, with the church, with sacraments, you're going to struggle to go far wrong. You just are. Like, I mean, God's going to honor that. Uh, Mm. 
there's no perfect people, there's no perfect marriages, but if you keep on that trajectory and, you know, for the ladies listening, please feel free to, you know, tie your husband to a you know chair and make him listen to this because I think there is a big problem for men. I, I'm not putting myself up as a as an icon here, but I think there's this sense that men are busy, men are doing this, men are doing that, and we can't have a serious life of prayer. I mean, my days start at 4 a.m. I mean, I've always been an early riser. I love that time of day, and with young kids, still it's the only time I can get a lot of quiet. But I I pray a lot, you know, for the kids, for Karen, for our marriage, for other people, and I think. If you can just keep putting Christ at the center of your own life, you're going to struggle to go too far wrong. Mm, absolutely. Yes, I think that's that's almost a wrap. Really? That was very quick. <laughs> I was just getting started. Oh, all right. We'll keep going. I think um, I just want to encourage the women because, as I said, this is a women's podcast primarily, but I really want to encourage the women that um, there's a – I often say to my kids you, when they're arguing, heaven forbid, our kids argue. Does anyone else have children that argue? No, uh, but our kids only argue between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. <laughs> That's all. That's it. Apart from that, they they're are fantastic and they're actually really beautiful. But, you know, when they're, when they're not seeing eye to eye, I say, well, you're either 50% the problem or 50% the solution. And you cannot control anyone else's behavior, but you are in control of yourself. So there is a lot that you can do. Even if your marriage is in the midst of a difficult season, there's a lot you can do to pray, to invest in yourself, to grow in understanding of your spouse. And uh, I think that just goes a very long way. I know that I found that through seasons where we haven't felt as close that I've just burrowed into prayer. I've burrowed into listening to, I think this is a really important piece of advice, is that often as women, and I think men can feel this too from their wives, they feel criticised. When in actual fact, it's a complaint rather than a criticism. And so what I say to to some people is look for the the complaint behind the criticism because it can feel like your spouse is attacking you when in actual fact, they're actually trying to express a need of something that they, they, they really need or that they really want from you. And so so often in conflict, we can arc up and fight back because we feel criticized. We get defensive. But I think if we can pause a moment, take that to prayer and ask, what is the complaint behind the criticism? Then we can see what the the unexpressed need is and try and respond to that. And I think that goes a hell of a long way to um, to helping marriages get back on track. Indeed. And as we wrap up, uh, a couple of things from me. One would be, I want to say this, here's all the disclaimers. Uh, if you want to change your husband's behavior, if you feel that, Ooh, God, do, 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 do. If you feel that <laughs> God has placed it on your heart to call your husband to a new level of functioning and holiness, holiness. <laughs> um, here's a suggestion. And Karen, to her great credit, is utterly brilliant at this, but I don't think she does it to change any behavior in me particularly. Uh, when I was a teacher many, many years ago, I remember someone saying that you want to catch kids doing the right thing. A lot of times teachers are trying to catch kids doing the wrong thing, but mm. we don't catch them doing the right thing. So by this I mean in a marriage, affirmation for husbands is like oxygen. Okay, So the more that you catch a husband doing something good, you know, and encourage him and say, oh, you know, you're a great father, you're this, you're that. Like I just want to say to people that can be incredibly powerful in terms of creating a spirit in the marriage uh, because the reason I mention it is because, you know, Karen has been, you know, a huge, is, is brilliant at this, especially recently. Like she's been writing me cards and different things. And from a male perspective, what happens is, even if you're not that sentimental as a male, you don't blow it off. I think what happens is you start to live into that identity. 
So if your spouse is going, you're a really good father or you're a good provider or you're really good at helping around the house or you're, you know, you're really a great listener, you know, your husband will just go, oh, whatever, I was sure, you know, stop it, you're making me blush. <laughs> but the point is that he will live into that identity. Now, I'm not talking about if he's doing reprehensible things and you just affirm everything. I don't mean that. I mean, catch him in the act of doing great stuff. And if you haven't been in the habit of doing that, he will notice and go, what, what is it? What are you doing? What do you what, want? What, 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 <laughs> what do you want to buy? <laughs> what, is, what is happening? Um, so that's a big thing, just to move in a spirit of affirmation and encouragement. Mm. Because I think when marriages get in trouble and, uh, you know, we've been there where you, Karen and I have had seasons mm-hmm. where you really go at each other and you're just loading up with all sorts of ammunition from the past, the present and the future. And uh, so the more you can move in that positive spirit, the better. And the last thing is something that really helped us th- through COVID and a bunch of stuff was, you know, we're kind of blessed to be able to do this, but we started going for a walk pretty much mm. every day. Just the two of us. Just two of us. Well, and... Uh, Cavoodle, <laughs> who's here in the studio, ladies. Benji. He's right here in the studio with us, our caramel Cavoodle. Um, but we would go for a walk every day. And sometimes if we'd been arguing, they'd be... The first, we, we did argue the a first, little bit last year. The first 15, 20 minutes would be very quiet in the walk. <laughs> but I think if you can have a ritual, now whether it's walking together for 15 minutes, and I know there's all sorts of reasons why it's difficult, you might have young kids, but if you can find something where, you know, for us it was just having a short walk. You can unpack and debrief. And because so many times if you're listening and you're in that season with young kids and anything, it's you're so busy that half of the problem in your marriage can just be that you're literally not even connecting with each other. Absolutely. So I got a friend overseas and I said that to him recently. He, they're, they're, they're struggling a bit. And I said, mate, I said, you just got to go for a walk together once a day, if you can, or something similar, whatever it is. But yeah. that's so that's it for me. Move in a spirit of affirmation, encouragement, and try and get some some kind of dedicated time together very, very regularly. Absolutely. Happy 20th anniversary. Happy 20th <laughs> wedding anniversary to you, you extremely lucky woman. <laughs> You're the lucky one. Anyway, I hope some of that was helpful for everybody. Thank you for your beautiful messages. And I just want to say that if you are interested in the Catholic Women's Masterclass, please join us. It is extraordinary. Honestly, the women that are coming on board are just so beautiful, such quality, and we're really unpacking some fabulous content. We're looking at rhythms of renewal and how as women, and this is what I was talking about, how there's a lot actually within our control as women. So if life feels like chaotic and you're overwhelmed, overextended and plain exhausted and you need to develop some rhythms of renewal in your life, please check out the masterclass www.geniusproject.co on the website. Check out the masterclass page and we are taking a new intake of women uh, in a couple of weeks to go through this. So please get in touch. would love to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.